Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 29th, 2015. This week's talk continues from last week where I talked about the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the big movers and shakers, the workers at the top basically, or near the top, very close to the top, who belong to the Trilateral Commission, Council on Foreign Relations and so on. All one big group, really, with specialised functions. So I'm going to continue from there, but also then head into the next step, run by the same groups, of course, and the same foundations, which their masters own, into the, the COP21 agenda, which is coming up very shortly, in fact. But you'll drastically change your lives. Planned a long time ago, in minute detail, every facet of living. Yet it's, it's going to be presented to the public as something that's going to be just discussed and decided upon when all the, the multitude of NGOs, all paid by the same foundations, and the, the multitude of, uh, of compacts of mayors across the world, etc., all head into this COP21 agenda to put their names down. And when they do that, of course you acquiesce to the fact that somehow you're part of it all, even though you never attended it and you're not even, you haven't been invited even to belong to any of these groups or take part in it all. It's going to affect your life forever and ever and ever. Everyone's lives across the whole planet. It encompasses interdependence, the, the, the abolition of borders. All of the whole thing comes together in this big spider web, you see, that encompasses economics, and uh, and national borders, national countries, even even the idea of what a nation is, and to the global society, right down to sustainability for families, how many family children should you have in a family, if any at all, uh, right down to massive massive government intervention in every facet of your life, right down to giving approval if you'll even breed in the future. That's all going to come out of this thing. Little by little by little. Once something's on the books, they simply expand it every, maybe three, four times a year. And it all works awfully well because most folk drift through life, you see. They're already living in unreality because reality itself is in transition. It's been in transition for a long time. Everything's in transition, the big buzzword right now. Transition. So transition of reality is constantly readjusting your brain to what you thought you know or you knew, to what you what, what you, you think you know now and where you think things are going in, in the near future. Most folk can't think beyond what the media tells them about the near future. And even then they leave it in professionals' hands. They've been trained to leave it in professionals' hands. They must know what they're talking about, all these experts, you see. Never dawns on them that they all belong or getting paid by the same big, massive private foundations and corporations and think tanks. They run the entire planet already with the big um, international corporations behind most of it, of course. George Orwell knew this, of course, too. He did a lot of thinking about his own era, what he thought he knew and the big changes that were happening in his era. He lived through 
the, again, the transformation or transitional phase, you see, uh, that was planned again, uh, again by the same bunch uh, that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council for Foreign Relations, with specialised branches like, like the Trilateral Commission. He, he was trained to take part in the planned changes in his own era. He fought in the Spanish Civil War, and by bumping shoulders, basically, with the communist parties over there, he realized that what he thought was socialism, as he sold it to them in, in Britain, was, was vastly different to an extent, at least in its, its pretense of ideology, than communism. He met the real communists who were utterly ruthless and would slaughter anybody who they said was outside their group. And... Um, and he turned against even socialism as well, because socialism was just a, a, a front, basically, designed for Britain and some parts of Europe to believe in, was different from communism, but it would bring in the same goals through elected governments. That was a big lie, too. But anyway, he, he realized that he, whatever he'd been taught through university and so on was a lie, and that's why he came out and said something awfully profound, because it applies... In all our eras, we're always given the same stories uh, about reality by those in control. It's not a, a, a new thing that people have just jumped on and realized, oh, we can control people's thoughts and so on by what we indoctrinate into them. But he said, who controls the past controls the future. And so, in other words, to, to control the future and to steer people into a planned future, you must give them gradually a, a different past that actually occurred to be, to be fit into what, what you're now going into. Well, I guess this is a natural order of things. This is the natural direction things take. You must think that way, you see, and adapt into it. So who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. And that's so true again, too, because history is always being rewritten. In your own lifetime, it's been rewritten all the time. Now with so many books disappearing and, and gone already, you'll find it's very difficult sometimes to find particular areas of history. They've just simply gone down the memory hole, as Orwell called it. So the present controls the past. And remember, too, it's important that you believe in the fake past you've been given that's been readjusted for you in your lifetime to make you think that everything's progressing naturally and by some strange way of presence or whatever. And so it's all quite natural as you guide into this totalitarian global system of complete control by supposed experts, you see. And that's why it works so well. And most folk, it will work very well, already does. And they'll think there's nothing abnormal about being told to get off the road if you drive a gasoline car shortly. And actually, they won't tell you right away after COP21 to get off the, off the road. They'll just give you little penalties if you use gasoline. So it won't seem so hard initially, you see, at the very beginning. You'll think, oh, well, I can afford a few pennies extra on the on a litre of gasoline. And then they'll up it and up it and up it until you start complaining. Or the cops pull you over to make sure you've, you've paid all your, your pollution fees. And they'll say to you, 
well, but you take your car off the road unless you pay this, this fine. And you'll say, well, I can't afford that. Well, it's not our fault, sir. So they're not telling you, you, you know, um, not to drive that car. They give you the, the pretended option. They know darn well you can't afford it, therefore. But they'll say to you, well, you can do quite legally if you just pay this, pay this extra, extra fees, you know. That's how they get you off. The land, anything at all, doesn't matter. It's all the same tactic. You see all these think tanks that work on the strategies for their masters have to always think and discuss and even have pilot projects in little areas to test out how the public would react when you put the whole plan into motion and break down segments of society and how they'd, they'll react to it, what might they do to oppose it, etc., etc. And you find ways to work around it so that you can bring them all in with it and even be complaining about it. Like a chessboard. Work out all the repercussions before you make the move. It's quite simple. It's war strategy, really. And you must get compliance from people. You must believe that they still believe that they live in a democracy. And they'll hear little local stories on the news, like CBC Canada or whatever, will tell you about some Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so, an old pensioner, and a little, you know, a little feel-good story about the guy and how people came to the rescue to help out. And so, and you think, oh, that's wonderful. We're, we're all working together and helping each other, and they've got rights. And do we? Do we have rights? And the overall agenda, we don't participate in any big decision whatsoever. And if the big boys at the top could, could keep it absolutely private from you and secret, they would. But you see, part of the trick of letting you in eventually into some of what's really going on is to is, is to make you think that you're now full of knowledge of it all. And again, too, you acquiesced to it. Well, I guess the way they put it across, it sounds okay. And it's for my benefit, etc. No, it's not. This agenda was planned long before you were born by people you've never known, never mind the people you don't even know now who are planning it all and implementing it. And they all belong to the private organizations, the ones that you have to be asked into, the, the big clubs, you see, because you can't just apply to join it. I don't think there's lots in your own neighborhood even who would love to get asked into it for the status and the self-benefits because there's always self-benefits for all the big players, all the higher-paid workers, put it that way. They get a lot of uh, good dibs, as they call it, into the first uh, offings of government projects using your tax money, you know, public-private partnership deals. We are guaranteed you put a little, a few bucks in and, and, and you get into a few shares in something, it's guaranteed to win because the government ain't going to let it lose. Quite something, you know. And then there's other ones too who want to add it to their resumes as they climb the corporate ladder and the corporate social ladder and everything else, all the different ladders that are all connected together as well. Therefore, you live in the age of not just transitions, but also reality transition. History will be written, you see. It's all been planned this way. So that history will be written that the public all accepted this global transition. The global planners and strategists have done so much work on our brains, you know, over a long period of time. And they never make a move without preparing the groundwork first, making sure that you are prepared through indoctrination, through, from a thousand sources, 
mainly from fiction too, never mind your news and little quips and so on. They even get all the little buzzwords and terms and slogans into movies and so on. You've heard them over and over and over again until it's all real to you. And I've done lots and lots of studies constantly ongoing to see if, if they're, all these fictional works especially are working on you. Constant studies upon us to see if you're ready for the next move. They never make a move without being thoroughly, thoroughly well prepared and indoctrinated. Years ago, I read about the institutionalize or the institutionalization of language and terms and slogans from the United Nations. This is what they said. Uh, many speeches by many top people at the United Nations saying we must institutionalize this term. Until, until you're almost sick of hearing it, it seems quite natural because you've heard it so many times, you start using it yourself. Whatever term it happens to be, global warming. That was climate change. Before global warming, it was global cooling. Of course, the cooling and the warming wasn't fitting in very well because nature wasn't cooperating, so they, they settled on climate change, which is wonderful because the climate's always changing, even day to day. That used to be what the weather station was for, or your, your weather report from local news. It was because climate change, it rains one day and it might not rain the next, or, and so on and so on. That's how it is, you see. And even though people in Ontario here, where I live, have been using their heating for a good part of the darn year nowadays, because of the, 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 the very cold winters, exceedingly cold, and early winters, and they leave late as well in the spring. Uh, it does, they're saying it's, oh, it was, it was the warmest year. It came out yesterday, warmest year in history. Utter tripe. But it doesn't matter, reality is changing, remember. And you have been taught to dismiss your own comprehension, senses, and memory of what last year was like or the year before, etc., etc. Listen to the experts now. It's so comical, really, isn't it? I mean, for, for days and, or nights and nights and nights now, I've been hitting I mean, 15 degrees Fahrenheit in the middle of the night. But reality doesn't matter, you see, because the experts tell you you're warming all the time. Quite something, isn't it? They can't all be wrong, surely. I must be wrong, and my recollection must be wrong. Even when I write it down and look back on it, I must have made mistakes on it. It's like poor old Winston in 1984, the novel. He's asked, who are we fighting today? Who's Oceania fighting today? East Asia, West Asia, who is it? And they tell you, it's always been West Asia, it's always been... Well, today, of course, you say, well, you know, we're going to go into the freezing stage in the 1960s and 70s, according to all the big boys, the same global scientists, and it never happened, you see. Another child, well, that never happened at all. It's always been global warming, always, always been global warming, just like we're fighting West Asia. You see, same thing. Same thing, folks. Most folk buckle under when it seems to be a majority against them. And that's why it works so well with most folk. As I've said so many times, you test your sanity by bouncing ideas off those around you. And if you go along, it's quite, it's quite comical because you, you can go along with, with their, their, their prattle, you see, their indoctrinated prattle. All the stuff and bits and bytes have been downloaded into them over years and years and daily as well. 
And uh, as long as you prattle on about the same things, even though you're pretending, uh, they'll accept you. But for goodness sake, don't say anything that's true because they'll look at you. Like an invasion of the body snatchers at the end of one of the movies where the woman goes up to Donald Sutherland and he turns around and points. He's turned into one of the pod people as well. <gasps> you don't want that, do you? So you must go along with what they say if you don't want to get ostracized completely. Eventually, of course, they'll have kind of confessions set up at the United Nations, probably on your computer, and you'll, you'll give confession about, you know, I've had wrong thoughts. Uh, I used to think that the, the, the world was cooling at one point, according to all the experts, and, and I used to think, too, that, um, uh, that when I was freezing, freezing in my little hovel with all these high taxes and everything, I used to think that uh, I must really be, I must have been boiling instead. Maybe there was something wrong physically with me. You see, I should, I should have been boiling according to all the propaganda, but I was really freezing. And they'll say, well, you're, you're, a, you're a, a, a die-hard radical, that's your problem. And they'll give you a special psychiatric treatment for it. They might come out with a pill, you know, a, a normalcy pill, where you believe anything you're told by experts. Now, I've mentioned before, these uh, high players, these, these big movers and shakers of the Trilateral Commission, the private organization, uh, who work for government, are appointed and so on for government and central banking systems for countries and IMF and the Bank for International Settlements, etc. All, all clubs that were set up by the one big organization itself, including the United Nations. And they're all busy as can be all the time. Busy, busy bees. Well-paid busy bees, mind you. They get more honey than anybody else left for themselves. But I mentioned uh, Michael Froman, one of the big ones, who's been put in there, of course, to really push through, in all the countries across the world, uh, the, the, the Asian Pacific uh, Pact, etc., and um, Trans-Pacific Partnership deals. But it's uh, an article here to continue from last week. It says, U.S. Trade Representative Michael Froman just back from high-level talks in China. And mind you, he's talking to other trilateral members in all the other countries of the world. Because these guys have been at this for well over, uh, before they were called Trilaterals uh, Commission, uh, they had other names as well. And they've been at it for an awful, awful long time. Every major position that changes all policies for every country in the world, and they have memberships across the world too. So he's back from talks in China, wasting no time in resuming the administration's efforts to promote the Trans-Pacific Partnership deal. Another thing that most folk are oblivious of or utterly ignorant of, but they think it's in their best interest, that's what they do know, because the experts say it's going to be that way, you see. So he spent this morning in Long Beach, California, the backyard of Representative Alan Lowenthal, who voted against fast-track trade promotion authority earlier this year, along with most other Democrats. They'll all be on board now, I'm sure. You get this fake pretense, but they always end up on board with things, isn't it amazing? Froman will visit the port of Long Beach, one of the busiest container ports in the U.S., and then make a stop at WET, WET, a water feature design company whose creations include the Dubai Fountain and the Fountains of Bellagio. The company employs about 300 people, and 80-90% of its profits come from international trade, he says.
I'll tell you another thing too. <laughs> this is an aside, but ties right in with it. If you ever look, if you get old books, because you can't find most of them now, they're all anything that ends up in e-books goes down the memory hole eventually. If it's if it's if it doesn't fall in with the agenda, or it contradicts the agenda or today's agenda, but look into the old books on California, and you'll find that the ones from the 1800s and so on talked about that whole area being a desert, basically. A desert that sometimes had a century or more of utter drought. And in between the droughts, little groups of Indians, small groups, might come in for a while until it's the next drought, and they'd go out again into greener pastures. And then... You look into the, the fastest-growing areas in the U.S. for building and people coming in. And, so, and you go L.A., places like L.A. Now, if you dump millions of folk into the Sahara Desert, then you start creating an oasis and greening it with one waterhole, you're going to end up with drought, folks. And that's why you got all that drought in, in the California area. You see? It's common sense. That's why it was classed as a desert, you see. Anyway, reality doesn't matter anymore, does it? See, so from and more visit the long, uh, port of long Beach, one of the busiest container ports, etc. He says the Obama administration is hoping to round up more votes amongst congressional Democrats for the TPP deal. Well, to buy them off. But so far, no Democrat who voted against Fast Track has stepped forward to support the pact, despite what the Obama administration says. That's rubbish. I don't, this is basically rubbish, so I won't read any more of it, because they all end up on board with things, as you well know. Once they've, they're guaranteed to, uh, another step up the ladder to go along, all these different perks to get and so on, you know. Now, the Trilateral Commission, getting back to that, with all these, these Sherpas that go across the world to make sure that we're all into the World Bank and the, and the IMF and the Bank for International Settlements and the, the, the big central banks like the one in Europe, they run it all. And they run all these trade deals, you see since it was their agenda in the first place, or their parent organization, which is the Royal Institute for International Affairs or Council on Foreign Relations. And it says, um, sensing a profound discord amongst the nations of North America, Europe, and Japan, the Trilateral Commission was founded to foster substantive political and economic dialogue across the world. To quote its founding declaration, and this is the, the, the cover that it brought it under, that this was its reason for being. Growing interdependence is that interdependence thing, it's an abolition of countries. It's a fact of life in the contemporary world. It transcends and influences national systems. While it's important to develop greater cooperation amongst all the countries of the world, Japan, Western Europe, and North America, in view of the great weight in the world economy and their massive relations with one another, bear special responsibility for developing effective cooperation both in their own interests and those of the rest of the world. To be effective in meeting common problems, Japan, Western Europe, and North America will have to consult and cooperate more closely on the basis of equality to develop and carry out coordinated policies on matters affecting their common interests. Refrain from unilateral actions incompatible with their interdependence. So in other words, you can't act as a country anymore. And from actions detrimental to other regions and take advantage of existing international regional organizations and further enhance their role. 
And then it tells you different members, of course, who are in it for the U.S., a whole list of the, the ones. Now, this goes into the, some of the members in different countries and how many there are per country in this private club that runs the world, you see. And it says membership is divided into numbers proportionate to each of the think tanks, three regional areas. It's not just think tanks. These guys are the movers and shakers. The North American continent is represented by 120 members, 20 Canadian, 13 Mexican, and 87 U.S. citizens. The European group has reached its limit of 170 members from almost every country on the continent. The ceilings for individual countries are 20 for Germany, 18 for France, Italy, and the United Kingdom. 12 for Spain, 1 to 6 for the rest. At first, Asia and Oceania were represented only by Japan. However, in 2000, the Japanese group of 85 members expanded itself, becoming the Pacific Asia Group, composed of 117 members, 75 Japanese, 11 South Korean, 7 Australian and New Zealand citizens, and 15 members from the Asian nations, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Singapore and Thailand. The Pacific Asia Group also included nine members from China, Hong Kong and Taiwan. Currently, the Trilateral Commission claims more than 100 Pacific Asian members. You see how they expand and expand until they've got the whole world in their grasp this private club, folks, with their private agendas. While Trilateral Commission bylaws exclude persons holding public office from membership, this is the joke, you see, the think tank, it's not a think tank, draws its participants from political, business, and academic worlds. So when you want to actually get a public office given to you, so you, you say, I'm not a member of it right now. I switched it off. I switched off this, this thing I'm sworn to. I just switched it off for the time I'm appointed into office, you see. That's the joke of it. So political, business, and academic worlds. The, the group is chaired by three individuals, one from each of the, the regions represented. Current chairmen are former U.S. Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Affairs, Joseph S. Nye Jr., former head of the European Central Bank, Jean-Claude Trichet, and Yasashika uh, Hasegawa. And they go into all the different, uh, it goes on and on this, this particular article. I'll put it up for you tonight. All these links, remember, all the things I mentioned I put up for, for you, for those who care to know what's happening. And it's awfully boring, isn't it? But uh, and there's no excitement in it either. There's no sex and violence and plots, you know, by who's going to uh, catch the bad guys or in. Uh, it's just, you see, you've been trained to go into fiction, you see. We've got to be enthused by somebody's story uh, 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 and and get sucked into the storyline, you see, to get exciting. But there's nothing like that in reality at all. That's why they can do it so well. Because everyone's now addicted to fiction, you see. And you've been taught, too, to be egocentric and egocentric to an extent, where you'll avoid pain and seek pleasure. And there's such a thing as mental pain when you read all this stuff. Because you get so upset by it. The whole trick is not to be upset by it. To me, all this stuff I'm reading right now is like some old movie that I've watched up so many times I'm sick of it. You see, the future's always written, and you always know what's coming. And I've done this for years and years and years and years. You always know how to do it. You know what's coming next. 
And, and it's boring to me to have to read this stuff to you, even though a lot of it's supposed to be current. It's not current at all. It's just the next step, which they talked about years ago. But I'll put this up tonight, this article here, and I'll let you go through it. And then, too, uh, I'll put up the list of Canadian Trilateral Commission members for those who think they've just buoyed in a new government. It's quite a joke. But here's an article here. Getting back to the climate. You see, understand everything, everything that happens on climate and security and all these things and the, the economic systems and the trade pacts all are coming together now, Agenda 21, everything in this one big COP21, you see, for climate change in a week's time. That's when they start. The, that's when they start the, the dining and whining and the prostitutes are brought in for them and so on. And they just sign what was worked out for them by the Sherpas years ago. Because you're living in the past, really. You're going through the formalities of the present on behalf of the past. That's all. So, program on, on energy security and climate change. You always get them together now, you see. So the Energy Security and Climate Change Program aims to eliminate and clarify relationships between energy, economics, international security, and global climate change. Now, international security also includes global population control and many other things. With an eye towards insights that can inform pressing policy decisions, energy has long been intimately connected with the global economy, and international relations, but with rapid changes in the energy landscape, the international economy, world affairs, and scientific understanding of climate change, scholars and policymakers' understandings of how energy influences the world are increasingly out of date. Through a mix of research, commissioned papers, and meetings, all private, of course, the Energy Security and Climate Change Program works to explore and disseminate ideas that bridge energy production, foreign policy, and climate change communities and to enhance dialogue between those closely linked worlds. And I'll put this link up too with the different um, publications that are put out uh, by this, this particular Council on Foreign Relations. You see the works... They're the overall branch, and the, the Trilateral Commission is the specialized branch that puts many things into operation by their Sherpas that work, uh, like Froman there, for instance. They have many publications. Congress shouldn't cut military research on climate change. As all prices tank, where did OPEC go wrong? Uh, market madness, a censor of oil panics, crisis and crashes. Why Saudis are holding strong on oil? And he goes on and on. Why spillovers from falling oil prices, risks to Mexico and the U.S., etc., etc. It's, it's quite interesting for me, anyway, to re-go over a lot of the stuff that they're really up to. But boring at the same time. And also, I'll put up the article tonight on um, it's energy security and climate change from the Trilateral Task Force report. And you can go through that as well if you're interested. And global health, that also takes in population reduction, by the way, and population management, all these different things. Uh, it's quite interesting. Mind, mind you, too, they're expecting most of us to die off with all the poison food they force us to eat. So it's all on track, really. And I'll put up the report to the Trilateral Commission 
Number 61, the Triangle Papers, Earth Security and Climate Change, which uh, goes into a lot of this, the same stuff as well. For those who wonder where, how they just come up with all these different agendas. No, they've been worked out years ago. This particular one started off in 2007. That was their Washington, Paris and Tokyo talks, of course. And then I'll do Department of Defense. Awfully important one, this one. Because this article is the Adaptation Roadmark. That was came out last year. For the U.S. Department of Defense, 2014 Climate Change Adaptation Roadmap. And it says, the responsibility of the Department of Defense is security of our country that requires thinking ahead and planning for a wide range of contingencies. Amongst or among the future trends that will impact our national security is climate change, rising global temperatures, changing uh, precipitation patterns, climbing sea levels, all the same rubbish. And more extreme weather events will intensify the challenges of global instability, hunger, poverty, and conflicts. They'll let lead to food and water shortages, pandemic disease, disputes over refugees. <laughs> you think it only happened now, eh? And resources and destruction by natural disasters in regions across the globe. So they're still hanging on to global warming and all that, you see, and all their, their, their stuff, even though it's, it's not warming at all. A changing climate will have real impacts on our military and the way it executes its missions. The military could be called upon more often to support civil authorities. They're expecting riots and so And provide humanitarian assistance and disaster relief in the face of more frequent and more intense natural disasters. Our coastal installations are vulnerable to rising sea levels, increase, increased flooding, while droughts, wildfires and more extreme temperatures could threaten many of our trading activities. Our supply chains could be impacted and we'll need to ensure our critical equipment works under more extreme weather conditions. Weather has always affected military operations and as the climate changes, the way we execute operations may all be altered or constrained. So they go on about all this kind of stuff. And if you're really keen, you can read through this one as well. I'll put this up as well. And then you get this article. And this is quite comical as well. It's from Jonova. It says, Don't drive. You encourage terrorists. If only I had more electric cars and windmills, lives could have been saved. Ponder that air conditioners can cause people to, ran- to do random acts of murder. They might keep people in the room calmer, but outside the pollution travels, heats the world, and lower terrorist is made. Call me a skeptic, but I think that if we turn off all the air conditioners or run them on solar power, which is almost the same thing, we might get more acts of terror rather than less, but what would I know? Bernie Sanders said that we should stop terrorists by reducing our carbon emissions. Somehow, there were people who did not laugh at him. And it was Time magazine. Yeah. And this is what it says. Drought in Syria has contributed to instability. Democratic President candidate Bernie Sanders used the terrorist attacks in Paris to call for action to address climate change at primary debate Sunday or Saturday. But while the plea attracted ridicule across the political spectrum, many academics and national security experts agree that climate change contributes to an uncertain world where terrorism can thrive. There's going to be a lot more of it, too, as we freeze in Canada and someone lights a fire to keep warm. Oh, <laughs> can't be banned, you see. you get got a drone attack on you. 
U.S. military officials refer to climate change as a threat multiplier that takes issues like terrorism that would pose a threat to national security and exacerbates the damage they can cause. A 2014 Department of Defense report identifies climate change as the roots of government instability. That's the root of it. It's nothing to do with economics, the fact there's no work and so on. It's all been given to China by the trilateral groups and all the different groups. Nope, it's to do with weather changing. That's what causes all the problems. It says it leads to widespread migration. Nothing to do with war and bombing. But you you stay in a place that was guaranteed to be bombed for the next 20 years. No, you'd move. Damages infrastructure and leads to the spread of disease. These gaps in governance can create an avenue for extremist ideologies and conditions that foster terrorism, report says. Wow, who'd have thunk? The weather and violence link seems a bit unlikely at first, but I think about it. But think about it. If a big volcano had gone off in 1939, things would have been cooler. And Hitler might have been a lot nicer, say, more like a Napoleon. Am I stretching the analogy? I, I sure hope so. But we'll live in hope and pray to the gods of political correctness that perhaps a volcano will go off and save the day. A spot of cooling and a dash of rain. No, the dash say there's more carbon in the air and, and, and you have to pay all the more. It's all your fault it went off. You see? See, everyone's always your fault. That's what totalitarians down through the ages have always taught the public. It's always your fault that they have to be totalitarian, you see. That's the reason for that they have to be totalitarian. To save you all. And reap all the benefits as they own everything. And this article goes on, of course. And it's out of whack these days, you see. It's out of step with political correctness because it doesn't go along with the PC nonsense. You understand, years and years ago, way back at the beginning of the, the 20th century, in fact, uh, this organization already ruled the British Empire at that time from London, above the, the government in London. And it ran all the, econ- the economic systems of the British Empire. Uh, was, was thinking of ways to bring in the whole global system, which they'd own up, they'd own it all. But you'd always, always, always had people complaining and fighting them. They don't want to go under this system of having no rights and so on. So they kept them busy thinking they had, oh, democracy. Well, the big boys themselves had no intention of giving the people democracy. You see? Even the Club of Rome, remember, in their think tank, they came up with the idea, they were given the task of finding a way to unite the world. Since they'd already tried the, the UFO things and invasions from outer space, and we'll have to stand together. I'm not kidding about that. We should, you give up. See, you need an external threat, so you should all give up your rights and come together. Ronald Reagan said it so many times when he was president of the US. And long before him, Lester B. Pearson said the same thing. If it was an invasion from outer space, the people would have to give up their national sovereignty and all their differences, come together and, as one and fight off an external threat. And so they hit on what at the Club of Rome? Global warming, famine, drought and the like, that would fit the bill. That's the, that's the very words they used. The one who were given this task of finding something to make us all live in a war situation. We're at war with ourselves, to, to save ourselves against climate change, which we've caused. It's a war between the climate and you. This is what it's all about, folks. So that the few at the top can own all, completely all, and have a totally managed society from birth to death, to where you're going to live, where you cannot live, 
and Agenda 21 is now into COP21. It's all combined together. Millennium Project, you name it. It's all combined together, folks. In this big, big meeting coming up. I, 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 I don't want to say it's got paramount importance as far as you're concerned because you have no say in it at all. But it certainly has paramount importance as to far of, as insofar as the way you're going to live in the future and how it's going to accelerate once it's all signed into law uh, for the rest of however long you're going to live. And before we forget, too, I've still got one of the original paper snippets, newspaper snippets, you know, that old fashioned stuff, paper? Stuff that lasts a long time, it can't crash on you or anything like that and be lost forever. And it's from Lester B. Pearson, who was a Canadian diplomat at the United Nations, and uh, he actually helped, he worked with Alger, his setting up the whole charter for the United Nations, in fact. But it, it says perhaps there is a hope uh, of a possibility here in the conquer of, space, of outer space. Interplanetary activity may well give us planetary peace. Once we discover Martian spaceships hovering over Earth's airspace, we'll come together. We'll all come together. How dare they threaten us like this? We shall shout as one at a really united nations. That's what he said during a, during a talk. He gave a lecture in December 1957. Nobel Peace Prize winner and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, total globalist, you see. And how many movies have you had about Mars? They're still going to make them yet. Mars, 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 on and on and on. You're so sick of it, you know, aren't you? And I used to wish there was intelligent life out in space because there's none down here. But he's a flashback to, to again, what they, they warned with the Defense Department, the CIA, back in 1974. This is flashback 1974. CIA warned that global cooling would cause terrorism. Decades before Senator Bernie Sanders warned that global warming was driving terrorism, U.S. intelligence officials warned that global cooling would cause massive crop failures, destabilize governments, and uh, drive violent conflicts. A Central Intelligence Agency report from 1974 warned Earth's climate is returning to that of the neo-boreal era an era of drought, famine, and political unrest in the Western world. The report cited famines in the Soviet Union, drought in Latin America, and flooding in the U.S. as examples of how global cooling was wreaking havoc on countries. This sounds eerily similar to arguments Sanders made during the Democratic presidential debate Saturday evening, in which he argued man-made global warming made Syria's drought worse and led to the rise of the Islamic State. It's an argument increasingly in the mouths of Democrats over the past year. In fact, climate change is directly related to the growth of terrorism, Sanders said in debate. And if we don't get our act together and listen to what our scientists say, you're going to see countries all over the world. This is what the CIA says. He says they're going to be struggling over limited amounts of water, limited amounts of land to grow their crops. And you're going to see all kinds of international conflicts. A lot's changed in science since the 1970s. Scientists, activists, and politicians are now concerned human activities are causing global temperatures to rise. I mean, droughts and other extreme weather events more frequent and intense. The Penton has called global warming a threat multiplier because it has the potential to exacerbate many of the challenges we're dealing with today. 
Interestingly enough, the Pentagon has the same concerns about global warming as the CIA did about global cooling in the 1970s. They had they turned books out to called the, the the coming ice age and things like that. The impacts of climate change may cause instability in our countries by impairing access to food and water, damaging infrastructure, spreading disease, uprooting and displacing large numbers of people, and compelling mass migration, interrupting commercial activity or restricting electricity availability, the Pentagon report reported in 2014. And in 1974, again, back to the CIA's report on global cooling, the new climatic era brings a promise of famine and starvation to many areas of the world. The CIA wrote in this report based on a study by the University of Wisconsin, predicting a return to the cooler conditions of the Little Ice Age. See, see, it's wonderful now to just call it climate change because, as I said, the cooling and the warming just doesn't work with them, you see. It wasn't cooperating with their agendas. So climate change is, is better, isn't it? Because we've always had climate change. And for those who don't, didn't know that, we've always had climate change, folks. That's why most folk tuned in to hear what the weather would be on the news for the following day. Because it's always been changing. From this to that, to this to that, to that, to that, to this, etc. Isn't that the way you can remember it? I hope so. But you need a big, big threat, a global threat, an enemy from outer space or famine, uh, global warming and the likes, according to the Club of Rome, drought, etc. To make folk give up their rights, you see. And all come together as one and be run by masters and academics and scientists the way that socialism demands that you should be run, you see. True socialism, not the kind that the person at the bottom has been taught to worship it for. True socialism is what George Bernard Shaw talked about. So when we are in charge and have this global system underway, you'll have to come to us and tell us why we should allow you to live. Because you see, you've got to serve the system. Serve, serve, serve. If you're born at all, you'll be serving their system. Don't forget, we're run by conology. The art of the con. Conology. And the best con is where a con has to have you participate in the con. The victim always participates in the con for it to work. So once you start prattling off all your indoctrinations, they're constantly going on all the time. While you're participating in the con, it's on you. That's how it works. Now I'll put up the CIA's report in the 70s, in the PDF form, for those who want to go through it, where we're going to freeze to death, you see. Unless we let all the experts run our lives for us then. And I'll put it up. I'll put up to the Department of Defense's uh, PDF as well. They put out the recent one, why we've got to give up all rights to, to save us all from global warming. Now, I could go on for days and days and days going through articles, old and new, which simply verify and validate this massive agenda that's been on the go for such an awful long time using different excuses to take all your rights away, to take the borders away, to literally destroy the old European countries altogether, and in Europeans to an extent as well, and to bring in this global order 
by the you know the hidden masters above you, uh, with their workers like the Sherpas from the Trilateral Commission, Council on Foreign Relations, that generally CFR they have uh, lots and lots of think tanks again working for them, but also lots of journalists and so all, all, all they all know where their bread is buttered, and where it comes from, and uh, how they get up the ladder, etc. So they don't rock the boat and do what they're told quite happily because they get well paid to do so to keep us all living in the fake reality, you see. And don't forget, there's even sections of them that, that deal with all entertainment. Uh, they might say, again, like a pyramid scheme goes up from the, the base of the pyramid all the way up to the top, who, who will say, yeah, go and make a movie about that and make sure you get this and this and this and this and this into the movie. Uh, and or the book, whoever it happens to be, because we, we pay through grants for arts and everything else and entertainment. But it's all again validated and, and, and verified by the ones at the top to make sure that they, they put the right PC messages across and indoctrinating us all as we sit and watch them and chew the bubblegum. That's how it's always been for an awful long time, definitely for your lives and your parents' lives as well. Reality is always being remade. Always. And yet there's never been a time in history, definitely in recent history, with the, with the sciences all working together and all the universities working together and all the top uh, professors all working together to bring it and doing their part, well paid again, to make sure that they indoctrinate all of us to go along with the one big agenda, you see. And these guys from academics all expect to get high positions, you see, in the managing of all the little people in this totally controlled world order. They'll want to get their name written down in the books, you see, as a, a big player. No matter what field of, of teaching they're into, or nonsense, because a lot of teaching is nonsense these days, and pure indoctrination as well, with their toolkits how to indoctrinate uh, students into coming out with the correct opinions on things. You know, the approved opinions. And all the psychology that goes into it too. Psychology to, to, to make sure that you come out indoctrinated. It's quite fantastic. And most folk are oblivious to all of this. Definitely the students are. Because especially in the US today, it's like massive whorehouses, you know, at the university. If, uh, where the, the booze is flowing like you wouldn't believe. So the drugs too, mind you. And sex is all the rage, of course. It's been well encouraged. So you end up with people coming out. Yeah, they get their degrees and that because they keep lowering the, the standards for passing them. And they think they're well-educated. And they're dumbed down. Easy to control, you see. Easy to control. The last thing they want is to turn out real, deep, independent thinkers from universities. Remember, the first thing you must control is the mind. You must control the mind first and foremost. If you control the minds, then you have no problems at all. And upgrading their minds or updating their PC correctness into the next step and the next step. And the, but, but if you've got independent minds, by God, you've got to take them on one at a time, independent thinkers who can reason. And they're, they're rational. They have critical thinking analysis. You see, that's a dangerous thing you have to tyrants. It's the last thing they want. Last thing they want. 
used to be astonishing to me to, to look at the whole Orwellian era and pre-Orwellian era, because before him you had H.G. Wells' propagandizing this whole world order on behalf of the Fabian Socialists, a branch of the private group, the Milner Group, that became the Royal for International Affairs, the private club, you see. And the Fabian Group was to run the left-wing side of it, and still does. He's quite blatant about what was to happen. That was the age, you see, of the mass man and the mass movement, and the age of whole nations in uniforms, the Soviet era, you see, and the fascist era, Mussolini and Adolf Hitler, where everyone would subdue and actually submerge, I submerge, that's the whole key to it, submerge your individuality into the totality of the collective. You only existed as a cog in the machine to serve the giant collective, and you gladly give your life for it. Whether it was working to death in a collective farm or working to death in a battlefield, it was all the same. Just give your life to the... And, they, and these boys at the top, they admired all of this. Never gave up hope. They could shape all of society into the same, same way. So we're all involved in the battle to save the world and to save further humanity. And since the aliens never put on a great display for us on the, the whole climate change nonsense, you see. Quite something, isn't it? Give up your rights and freedoms, be the collective, and allow your betters and superiors to rule you all for the good of us all. We're all one, you see. That's, that's how it's done. Quite easy, isn't it? And simple. But as I say, to me, this is an old movie. I've seen it too many times. I'm never surprised by what's coming next. I could tell you in 10 hours what's going to happen over the next few years with lots of data to fill it in and validate what I'm saying. But even that's like reading an old book so many times over to me or watching the same old movie again. But for those who want to know to keep their sanity it's not important. I mean, lots of folks will say, I can't, I can't share this with anybody. They, they don't want to know. They're, they're the perfectly indoctrinated. You've got to understand there are people who are perfectly indoctrinated. And they don't want to know. And they'll tell you they don't want to know. They want pleasant things to talk about, you know. Pleasant stuff. The little trivia that's in the newspapers every day. You know. That kind of stuff. Keeps them happy. The perfectly indoctrinated. But be happy that you understand yourself, because you are sane. And as I tell you, achieving sanity in the last oh, few generations, never mind the previous thousands of years, but in the last few generations, all the sciences working against you of indoctrination and behaviorism and neuroscientists and psychologists and all working against you. That's a miracle in itself. Be happy with that. And you'll find if you're pretty lonely and you can't share it, you don't really have to share it with them. Don't become an outcast. You know, we're social creatures. We need company now and then. Some less than others. Some more than others. 
That's why so many extroverts go along with the whole agenda to be accepted. And don't give up, as I say. Achieving sanity is a miracle in itself. Now remember, two folks, you can go to the archives at cutting3medias.com and look into the different topics I've mentioned tonight, for instance. I've talked about them for years and many other things too. And um, it's surprising too, you see, you see even magazines going into your, into your site on, you know, pretty frequently actually, and using material for their stories and so on. So yeah, you can influence a lot of people, an awful lot of people, by being hopefully sane, you see, hopefully sane. And not losing your sanity in the process. And remember too, you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughmedias.com. How to do it is on the website. If you have trouble with any of the websites, look at them all listed on that, on that site. And you can use one of the alternative um, Websites I've got listed on the front page. And remember, you can buy the books and discs, tells you how to do it, how to pay, or you can donate money to help me take along, hopefully, because remember too, I keep forgetting to ask for anything at all, and I just want to take along here. That's all. So it's a deep freeze again tonight, folks, where I'm living right now, because of global warming, of course. And from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And your God, your gods, go with you.